Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Well, hey, I'm excited that you're here today. Welcome to Oceans Church, and um, I promise we'll get you out of here in time to get home for the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm excited for what God is going to do today. You know, I, was, I had a really just awesome time with Jesus last night, and he was speaking to me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my mom's here. Uh, and uh, I was thinking about how, uh, you know, he was telling me that, that there, would be, there would be miracles that happen here today that would be so significant and so life-altering and impacting that it would be easy for you to remember your healing anniversary. That God wanted to let you know that it would be easy to remember. It will be Super Bowl Sunday of, of 2022. This, this was the day that your cancer was healed. This was the day that God restored your marriage. This was the day your kid came out of drugs and came back to God. I believe that this could be that day. If you believe it, come on, shout amen. So I am fired up. Feel the caffeine kicking in again. And uh, I'm excited for what God wants to do in this service. But I want to say a huge welcome to everybody. I know there's people watching online and in the tents that maybe you've never been to church. Maybe it's been a very long time. Or maybe you've never been to a church, quite frankly, that was like this church, very energetic, very passionate, very engaging. And I just want you to know today that we are fired up. We uh, make no apologies about it, that if we are going to lose our minds at SoFi, we better lose a little bit of our minds at church. I may or may not be yelling at the television today, but you better believe I will be shouting in God's house. And I just think we get it backwards sometimes that we are okay giving our best excitement to other things and our least amount of excitement to God. I believe that God is worthy of our very best. Can I get a good amen? And so it's going to be a great day. Man, awesome baby dedications. Again, we have high tide fourth Wednesdays. So mark your calendars about that. We're actually kicking it off awesome. It's going to be a time that's going to be uh, informational, impartational, educational, and it's going to help really equip people. And so the first one we have is actually one of my professors from Bible college. He's, he travels all over to universities, st- does early church history, apologetics. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you sign up for our high tide class. We're going to bring in prophets. We're going to bring in teachers. We're going to bring in pastors. We're going to bring in evangelists. And we're going to, we're going to see God move powerfully on Wednesday nights. And your kids are going to be downstairs at youth. And your little kids will be in our child care. And it's going to be awesome. Everyone said amen. Kids church. Awesome. Well, that's that. Uh, if you have your Bible this morning, why don't you grab it with me? Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Tap your neighbors. Can I ask you something? <laughs> Kidding. Tough crowd. Excited that you're here. I'm going to read uh, five verses today out of Acts chapter 9. And uh, we're, we're in a series called Turn the World. Say it with me, Turn the World. If I could bring everybody in just for a minute here today, I really do believe on a serious note, well, I'll tell some jokes today, but on a serious note, I do believe that, um, you know, God and I, God, God sent Rochelle and I here three, three and a half years ago to start this church and it wasn't because Orange County was lacking churches. It wasn't because we were lacking joy and fulfillment in Idaho. It wasn't even that we were like, man, I want to just go do something kind of different. We really believed that, that there would be a world awakening revival that would originate in its epicenter here in Southern California. And we wanted to be on the front lines of what God was going to do in the world. I believe it's already begun. We're already in the very beginning stages of it right now. And uh, it's interesting that the early church fathers were described in mothers as men and women that turned the world upside down. And I think today, many times Christianity is described as a, a lot of things, but it's not described as something that turns your world upside down. That's something that actually uh, confronts you before it transforms you. And I believe that God is doing something even now and even here that it's going to be like the book of Acts. Can I get a good Amen. Many people choose their church based upon what's closest to their house. I say choose your church based upon what's closest to the Bible. I want to go to a church that looks like the book of Acts. Can I get an amen? So yes, we are one of those churches that believe that God still does what he did in Galilee. We believe signs, wonders, and miracles are not for yesterday, they're for today. We believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God hasn't changed. There is no scriptures that indicate that, that power would die with the apostles. There is no, there's no scriptures that say as soon as the, the scriptures were canonized, there is no need for the validity of miracles. There's no scriptures that back that up. We believe that what God did then, he wants to do now. And I know we all believe, and most of us here today would go, Mark, I believe that God is good. Who believes that? When was the last time you told someone he's good? Most of us believe that God does miracles. Who believes he's a miracle-working God? When was the last time we prayed for a miracle? We believe that God saves people. When was the last time you led someone in a prayer to get saved? My point would be is that I believe if we're going to be a church that turns the, the world, we have to actually practice what we believe. You guys ready to go? So I'm a little bit fired up today. If you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. In Acts chapter 9, I'm going to read, it's not a, it's not a crazy, crazy, it's, it's a pretty amazing story, but uh, I really want to just get into the, to, the, to the weeds of this very first verse or two in, in chapter 9, verse 31. It says, the church throughout Galilee, throughout all of Judea, excuse me, the churches throughout all, say it with me, all. Notice that when Christianity broke out, it didn't affect some, it affected Really, the book of Acts is written by a doctor who penned the book of Luke. His second testament was Acts. And he documents in the first 13 chapters of Acts what Jesus, the new king, would do in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And from chapter 13 onward to 28, it documents what Jesus would do to the corners of the earth. And announces a new kingdom, a new king. Caesar's like, what's going on? It's crazy that even King Herod, in Acts chapter 12, he actually is took taken back, he persecutes the church, and the same angel that liberates Peter is the same angel that ends the life of the king, because listen to me, there is a new power that affects politics, and I am of the persuasion that Acts is a powerful, powerful, in my opinion, one of the most significant books of the Bible. Without Acts, we do not know what Christianity looks like after the resurrection. We would be guessing. We would be guessing what is new heavens, what is new earth. Why did Jesus have to come back from the dead? But we know here, 28 chapters that document what Christianity and the church looked like when it was born. Are you guys ready? So I want you to read this. This is a miracle story. And my, my thesis for this morning is, is basically pretty simple. Uh, I want to talk to you today about why miracles complete the message of Jesus. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this title down, The Big Deal. The big deal. Type in here to the big deal. Christianity isn't a little deal. It's a big deal. Many people have heard the gospel, quote unquote, and it didn't move them. It didn't change them. It didn't make them want to surrender. Didn't want to make them change. Didn't want to make them go higher. They preached a message that Jesus was basically a, a extracurricular activity. He was an elective credit that gets you to heaven. It had kind of underlined this message that Jesus was a little God that does little things. And the big stuff he did, they all stopped thousands of years ago. But I want to announce to you today that I believe that Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection is a big deal. I believe the Holy Spirit comes to fill us and it's a... Yeah, I believe that when God shows up in the church, it is a... I believe that churches that host the presence of God make a... They make a big deal about God change the region change the cities in a big way so i want to get this into you today that the bible was not written to tease you to to get you to get your hopes up it's not to make you read it and go man i wish that'd be nice if god did some of that today god never read scripture to get your hopes up and to make you fall on your face God gave us this book, not as a historical book alone, not as an educational book alone. This is the manual of how we are to live life and follow God. Can I get a good amen? I appreciate the 30% hand clap. We'll get you all here in a little bit. You got your Bible, Acts chapter 9. Let's read this today. It says in verse 31, then the churches throughout all, 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 say it with me, what? All Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified. Who wants that? And it says these, these things, very important. This is what, what, what happens after you're baptized. What happens after you're saved? What happens after you're filled with the Spirit? What happens next before you go to the funeral home? What happens between baptism and death? I love it. It kind of documents it right here. It says this is what happened for them. It says the disciples there were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. They walked in what? The fear of the Lord the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they 
multiply. One more time. Help me out in the back. They walked in the... They walked in comfort and they... All right, now let's see how this plays out in everyday life. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts. What parts? All the parts of the country that he also came to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And it says that he found there a certain man named Aeneas. And Aeneas had been bedridden for eight years. Let me pause there. I have two, two daughters. Both girls, Rochelle was on bed rest for three months each. We had a living room in my in-law's living room, a bed in the living room. And literally, she was on bed rest. I should say, we were on bed rest. I gained more weight than my wife did. Come on, somebody. I know what three months, I've spent six months of my life supporting my wife when she was on bed rest. This guy was in a bed for eight years. It's a long time. I want to bring this to your attention because sometimes we don't, we don't contextualize the reality of what's happening. Eight years of not using his muscles. I don't know if you've ever been sick for like two days, three days, and you don't walk, and you get weak. Imagine not using your muscles for eight years. He's paralyzed. He's lost his strength. You know what God's good at restoring? Strength. But he is bedridden. He has lost feeling. He's lost his, his strength, his ability to feel. And he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ, heals you. Notice he doesn't pray in his name. He prays in Jesus' name. Jesus, the Christ, heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Catch the last verse. So all that saw the miracle who dwelt in the city of Lydda and Sharon saw the miracle man and turned to the Lord. Saw him, saw the miracle, turned to the Lord. Heard the message, heard the preaching, went to the service, but when they saw the miracle, they turned to the Lord. Some of you today will not believe unless you see God do something powerful. And I want to serve an eviction notice of the impossibilities in this tent. That when God shows up, he can do anything he wants to do. If you believe it, give him 10 seconds of praise. Hey, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. In Jesus' name. He's going to do something here today. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to do what only you can do. We, we declare that you are the God that heals the sick. You are the God that heals broken hearts. You are the God that can cure cancer, Lyme's disease, autoimmune conditions. You are the God that can open the barren womb. You are the God, Lord, that gives children. You are the God that gives life. You are the one that can restore what is dead and broken. God, heal, deliver, restore. Uh, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and a voice to those that are mute. God, would you today heal even the lame, physically and spiritually, in Jesus' name. And if you believe it's a big deal, come on, say Amen. 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 I'm gonna tell a couple stories. We'll get started. But I, uh, I was raised, as many of you know, I wasn't raised in a pretty part of California. I was raised in, uh, I like to affectionately call it the armpit of the state, Palmdale and Lancaster. It's the home of Afro Man and Paul George. Uh, I think America was there too at one point. Uh, not the country, my my neighbor. And uh, but uh, not many people made it out of the high desert, kind of a rough place to live. My dad was a mailman, is a mailman. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my parents divorced when I was seven. And so when we got divorced, my parents got divorced, I moved in with my mom in the high desert. We lived in a low-income housing area. We didn't have a lot of money. We were so poor, our welcome mat just said, well? <laughs> like, you ring the doorbell at our house, the toilet flush, you know what I'm talking about? It just wasn't like a, wasn't a great situation. And so we didn't eat out a lot. It wasn't like a big thing in our family. We, we would go out. Like the big, the big surprise to eat out was uh, once a year we get to go to Applebee's or Chili's. Get yourself a blondie. Come on, living large. Still trying to work off those blondies. But I remember uh, I grew up, and uh, during 1993, there was a year Jack in the Box came under fire. There were some lawsuits made. Some said they weren't going to make it out of it. And someone in their marketing department said, I have an idea that's going to save Jack in the Box. We are going to invent this thing called the big deal. Now, some of you 80s kids know what I'm talking about. The big deal was Jack in the Box offered you a burger, a taco, a french fries, and a drink for 99 cents. That's a big deal right there. 
Like, we didn't have any money, but I'm like, we got to buy that. We'd be a bad steward if we don't stop at Jack in the Box and get a big deal. We made a big deal about the big deal. I'm like, man, you're telling me I get a taco, a hamburger, a fries, and a drink for 99 cents? That is the greatest stewardship offer ever. And so we went there all the time. That was like the place that we frequented. We grew up not having a lot of money. So I, I literally, it would be like the big deal. You get like five items for 99 cents. We go to Applebee's, Chili's. You get your food, your, you know, your, your, your meal. And I, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot. Like we, we didn't have a lot growing up. So I married my wife in uh, 2005. And my wife was raised a little differently than I was. And my brothers call her Five Star. That's her nickname for my brothers, John and Lucifer. And um, uh, Satan is the name. I know, no, it's, it's just Chuck. Uh, Chuck and John. They call her uh, Five Star. And um, my, my wife, she just has a gift. My wife has the ability to find anything in any store. And she goes, I like that. And if you look at the price tag, it's at least 10 times more than anything else in the store. She just has this Midas taste. And so we, uh, we, uh, we, we had this uh, honeymoon, and I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't have, you know, I was a janitor at the church. I'm working my way through Bible college. Someone blesses us for our honeymoon with a trip to Hawaii. They take care of our airfare. Her aunt lets us stay at her condo. And I never really, like I said, I've never really been to nice restaurants. And so I will never forget, I was recommended by a friend, a business guy in our church. He's like, hey, take her to this steakhouse. Now, when I heard steakhouse, I thought a sizzler. Can I get a witness in the church? I'm like, you want a good steak? I know a place. Got a salad bar, extra three bucks. But he's like, no, 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 this is like a real good steakhouse. I've never been to a fancy steakhouse before. So we showed up, and I noticed two things. I noticed that the prices that were on the menu were crazy. But I noticed that half the items didn't have a price. What's that about? That's like the owners of the restaurant could not look you in the eye and tell you, I'm getting ready to hijack your hard-earned money. I am so sticker-shocked at this restaurant on our honeymoon. I'm trying to be like play face. I'm just married to my new wife here, and I'm like trying to be a man. And she's like, hey, I'll give me that steak. Mark, that steak looks good. I'm like, okay, I'll get, I'll get that for you, babe. And she went to the bathroom, and so I ordered for her. I ordered myself a side salad. You got to conserve, people. And so I ordered a little side salad, and I ordered her her steak. It was expensive steak, and I'll never forget. It's my first experience they bring the food out, Rochelle sits down, they bring the food out, and literally it's a side salad and a piece of meat. I had no idea that the, it didn't come in a meal. There was no fries, there was no taco, there was no burger, there was no drink. This was not the big deal. This was a big deal, but not a big deal. This is crazy. I was like, what is going on? Where's the mashed potatoes? Where is the asparagus? What's going on? I'm getting like, I was getting ready to call the server over like, sir, there's a mistake. But Rochelle's like, Mark, no, no, it's a la carte. I was like, what, what, what a carte? What does that mean? She goes, it means that everything is sold separately. I'm like, that's a scam. I say that, it's kind of a funny story, but I just felt like this kind of crazy, but I, I had this picture. I was raised in an environment that getting a full meal was normal for one price. And I got to this fancy restaurant as an adult, and I had no idea that there was actually just some, something served, but it didn't come with the whole meal. And as I was praying this week, God began to speak to me about this idea. I was saved in a church in Idaho that believed that what Jesus did in Acts, he can do today. I was raised in an environment that said, hey, preach the word, and after you preach, pray for the sick. And after you pray for the sick, if God gives you a word, share a word. And if God wants you to be generous, sow a seed. And live out the book of Acts. That was normal for my Christian grid, was like, yeah, we know God, we hear God, we follow God, we obey his voice, we do what he wants us to do, we do what Jesus did, we follow in Paul and Peter's example, and if Ananias can do it, and Cornelius can do it, and Stephen can do it, if those guys can do it, we can do it. That was like the full meal deal. That's a big deal. But then I've been, since I, I was saved, since I came down even to California, there's churches that you go to, and they're great churches, but it's almost like they have this cosmetic Christianity that says, we only serve one thing here, it's salvation. This is the only thing that happens in Christendom. 
is you go to heaven. The only thing that happens is, is you get to go to heaven one day. There's no heaven coming to earth. There's no two worlds overlapping. It's about huddling and cuddling and hiding from society and being the left behind series and, and somehow finding some, some, some Jesus paraphernalia clothing, listening to DC talk, come on, and, and hiding from the world until Jesus rescues us. We got to survive. We might go to war. Man, there's crazy things happening in politics. California's going to hell in a handbasket. And there's all these speculations and wars and rumors of war and darkness. And there's all this evil agenda in the world. And if we're not intentional, we go, whoa, is the end of, of humanity, is it us surviving until Jesus rescues us? But I want to remind you that that is, that is terrible eschatology. That is, that, is, that, is, that is just terrible exegesis. That we know this about scripture is that Jesus is not coming back to rescue us out. He's coming back to invade. The problem is, is you had medieval scholars. Uh, it, we, we had people in the 19, 19th century answering questions that people in the 16th century asked. And we have these medieval theologians that said it's about, about the rapture. It's about getting out. It's about getting out of the world. It's about hiding. It's about, it's about evacuating and one day getting out of here and going up there. And what happens is we don't realize that, that we're supposed to ask 21st century questions with a first century lens. What does the first century Christian believe? They believe this, that when Jesus came out of the grave, it launched a new heaven, a new earth. And the book of Acts is what the world looks like when Jesus is still alive. What is Christianity? Christianity is what earth looks like when Jesus is running the show. That's what it's supposed to be about. Salt of the world, light of the world. What do you pray? Pray on earth as it is in. What does that mean? It's language of saying, look, your job, my job is to actually uh, live a life as though Jesus was living through you. What would Orange County look like if Jesus was running it? What would Hollywood produce if Jesus was running it? What would the arts and entertainment world look like if Jesus was running it? This is the idea. When Jesus came out of the grave, he launched new creation. What does that mean, new creation? It means that, that there is a, there's an authority in Christ. It says that now we're in Christ, in Christ, the hope of glory, right? That we're hidden in Christ. And, and so this idea, I want to get into this a little bit here, is that the early church, they didn't just preach, we got we to gotta tread water, we got to evacuate cities, we got to hide from society. We got we to somehow just stay in our Christian ghettos until one day Jesus rescues us out of the broken world. That is not the early mandate. That's why last week you saw Stephen going into Samaria preaching a message that was never listened to in that city. That's why you see Peter here doing crazy miracles. It says, what did it say? That the early church believed, baptized, filled with the Spirit. What do they do next? Well, between baptism and the funeral, they did this. They, uh, they did three things. They walked in the comfort of the Spirit, in the fear of the Lord, and they multiplied. Yeah. Right. Say it another way. That the big deal was this, is that Christianity had signs and wonders following. Yeah. Christianity without the power of God is not the full deal. It's like going to, come on, that fancy steakhouse and going, where, where's the rest of this? We're missing something. Jesus didn't die for an a la carte menu. Can I get an amen? He died to give us the full meal deal. That he died to save me. He died to redeem me. He died to cleanse me. He died to fill me. He died to live through me. And when I walk with him, live with him, talk with him, surrender to him, and obey him, his world flows through my life. This is the full meal deal. I thought we're just supposed to go to heaven. No, there's more. You're sucking oxygen. For a purpose, we're supposed to bring heaven into this world. Why are miracles such a big deal? It says that the moment a paralyzed man for eight years was bedridden, it says that when he stood up, that the entire region turned to God. Why would miracles be so important? Because some people won't turn to God unless they believe God still has power. 
Some of you are, are in that category. I didn't believe in Jesus until I saw his power, felt his power, experienced his power for myself. Kind of like John chapter 4 when the woman at the well, she goes into town and says, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. The crowds went out. And what did they said? It said that, hey, many believe because of the woman's word, but many more believe. They said, look, we don't just believe because of what she said. We taste it for ourselves. And we are living in a world that is dying in the Christian world because we're trying to have faith through someone else's experience. I believe what is depleting more churches in America today is secondhand Christianity. What do you mean secondhand Christianity? Is you're trying to get with the most high through someone else's relationship. God wants to know you. God wants to fill you. God wants miracles to flow through you. God wants you to bring heaven to earth. He's looking for Peter. What are you doing? He goes in, he goes, look, I don't have any power, but Jesus does. In the name of the Jesus Christ, the Lord, he says, rise up and walk. Be healed. He parrots what, what Jesus says in Mark chapter 2. When four lame men busted a hole in the ceiling of a, of a house church, there was no room. The religious filled the church, so the wrong people were in the room, and the right people didn't have room to get in. And that's what happens when religion uh, permeates a church. What happens is, is the room gets so stuffy with unbelief that those that need a miracle can't get healed. We got to make sure we keep making room for those that need the message the most. Jesus says, he saw their faith, looked at the men. He said, either I forgive you, uh, be, 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 I, I, don't, I, I forget, also forgive you, rise up and walk. And Peter echoes the words of Jesus, but he prays in Jesus' name. Where do miracles, how do miracles occur to, to complete the message of Christianity? I'm glad you asked. Write these three things down. Number one, I believe that miracles occur and they complete the message of Christianity when the people of God live with an open heart to the Holy Spirit. I repeat, living with an open heart to the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says there in Acts chapter 9, verse 30, 31, 32. It says, and they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You know why many people don't see miracles? Because they believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know how to dishonor the Holy Spirit, say you believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but say that the power of his gifts were for yesterday. There is nothing that disrespects the Spirit of God more than saying that what Jesus died to give the world somehow dried up 2,000 years ago. He is still a God that does what he did then. Well, I don't believe it. I went to a church that never saw it. Well, you're, you were getting what your leaders were preaching you. And I have found that the Jesus you preach is the Jesus you receive. If you preach that he's big enough to get you to heaven, he'll get you to heaven. But if you preach a Jesus that's strong enough to break addictions, restore marriages, and chase down wayward children, you'll see that God active in your life. That's why Jesus would say these scandalous things like this, according to your, according to how you see me, let it be done. So many people go, all God can do is get me to heaven, and all he will do for you is get you to heaven. That would be like having a wealthy parent that could buy you anything and all you ask for is a bike. He'll get you the bike happily. But there was more in him if you knew how wealthy he was. Are you hearing me today? Well, how, how do you see miracles that turn entire regions to God? I believe miracles are reserved for men and women that live in stride with the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Holy Spirit, today, who do you want me to call? Who do you want me to text? Who do you want me to forgive? Who do you want me to bless? How, how, how can I live for you? How can I serve you today, Lord Jesus? Fill me with your spirit. I believe the reason why Peter and Paul saw miracles is they were not living a, a human self-led life. They were leading a spirit-led life. Notice, none of them healed the same way others, one, uh, others did. It says that Paul, a chapter and a half later, looks at a lame man, just like Peter, but it says he recognized that he had faith, and he does something completely different than what Peter did. It's wild that I studied the Bible. There was miracle after miracle. I started studying, um, are you still with me today? 
I started studying lame people in the Bible. There's a lot of people that were lame. There was people, uh, Old Testament, New Testament. It's wild. I was reading even through uh, some of the, some of the uh, you know, earlier passages. You, know, you, you have uh, Matthew chapter, what is it? Matthew chapter uh, 8. The centurion had a servant that was, and all Jesus did was, go your way. <laughs> your, your servant's well. Centurion said, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. This is crazy. Well, that, that's, that's one miracle. There's another one that uh, it says in Matthew, Mark, Mark 2, as I mentioned, that they, they tore a hole in the ceiling of the church. You have John chapter 5, that a lame man lying there for over three decades, waiting for the waters to store. Lame. Say with me, lame. This is crazy. Miracle after miracle. They all, they all get up. Acts chapter 3, the gate beautiful. This guy was born, never walked his whole life. Peter and John say, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have. I believe that faith is a substance. When you know the Spirit of God has you, you have it. And many people don't have the Spirit of God because you have not given yourself to Him. You want Him without giving Him you. And I believe that, listen to me, the Spirit of God has full access to flow in us and through us when we actually yield ourselves, as Paul says, as living sacrifices. God, give me your thoughts. Give me your ideas. Help me to see him and see her the way that you see him. What's wild is, is I believe miracles changed regions through men and through women that, number one, said, Holy Spirit, I want to open up my daily life to your leading, your guidance, your direction. I can't tell you how many times I've had goofy moments in my car that it's early in the morning, I'm driving to work, and the Lord's like, roll your window down and tell the guy or lady next to you how much I love them and give them a word. And I'm like, God, it's a red light that's going to be green in 14 seconds. But I've learned this, that you can, um, you can have God speak to you and do what he says, or you can eventually not have God speak to you anymore. I don't know how many of you like to talk to your spouse when they don't listen to you. But at some point, if you disregard someone talking to you long enough you'll find somebody else to talk to. I think God speaks to all of us, but I think some of you aren't hearing as much lately because you just won't do what he's telling you to do. So here's the awkward window roll down. Look at the guy. Look at the girl. Hey, my name is Mark. Pretty normal. I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. He told me to tell you that he loves you, that he's going to turn things around, and I just really felt like God's going to restore whatever was broken this week. And I get to see that person long enough to see tears start to fill their eyes as my green arrow turns and I turn away. I believe that life with miracles is a life that you are open to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Can I get a good amen? All right. Number two. I believe that, listen, where, where are miracles sustained? Where do we get the full mill deal with miracles? Miracles happen when men and women not only are led by the Spirit, but when we actually also walk in, listen to me, keyword, His power. I want to remind you that you do not have power in and of yourself. In you, you have a corrupt heart, a corrupt nature. There is nothing good found in your flesh. You're not a good person that occasionally does bad things. You were born under a bad nature that occasionally does good things. So it says that's why Galatians 2.20, we have to be crucified with him. No longer I who live, but it's going to be today Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I get an amen? We walk, number two, in his power. How? By fearing the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? Does that mean to be scared? No, it means that you know what role you have and what role he has in your life. What do you mean? I mean, um, some of you, you don't ever disagree with God because you're actually sitting where he's supposed to sit. I believe one of the ways you know you fear God is throughout your week, he'll ask you to do stuff that you don't want to do. Call that person and forgive him. I don't want to do that. You're the boss. I want you to sow a seed. I don't want to sow a seed. I want to spend this on my vacation. You're the boss. I want you to actually go to that guy you've had an offense with and tell him today that you love him and that, that you're excited for their future and just give him an encouraging word. I don't want to do that. Here's what I know, is that if we're going to see regions changed by the power of God, we have to have a bunch of people that say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. And when you speak to me, you're the boss. 
problem with America is, is we have believers that believe in Jesus, but have never surrendered to him as Lord. And I would say that is the Achilles heel of Christianity in, in the Western world, is we believe God's real. Jesus is his son, but we've never surrendered our whole lives. And I want to remind you that the demons believe and they aren't going to heaven. It's not belief that gets you to heaven. It's, it's, it's a free gift of salvation, but I believe heaven gets into you when you surrender. Surrender. So what do you know? I know this. We walk in the power, walk in his power by fearing the Lord. God, nothing's too hard for you. I could never heal that guy. I could never encourage that lady. I could never help these people, but God with you, you're the boss. Peter said, Aeneas, rise up in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed. Rise up and walk. I believe that when we see the power in his name, we do what God does. You still with me? Third thing, I believe it's so important. I want you to write this down. Obey his voice. You know what's crazy is, is it says that they, they walked in the comfort of the Spirit, in the fear of the Lord, and they multiplied. I, I, I have personal conviction that the reason why things stop bearing fruit, stop multiplying in our life, is connected to our obedience or our disobedience. Are you saying I have to follow God's rules or he's going to strike me down? No. I am saying, though, that if you keep asking someone to do something and they don't do it, you'll find someone else to do it with. You know that God never asked you to do anything that's not for your benefit in the long run? Did you know that? You ever did something that God, you didn't want to do, and, and after you did it, it didn't make sense? But a year or two later, you're like, oh, that's why he made me pass that test. Because if I didn't pass it back then with that, I never would have been entrusted with this. God never asked you for anything that won't help you out in the long run. So if he asks you to give up a relationship, give it up. If he asks you to, 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 to stop trying to make something happen in your own strength, stop trying to make it happen. Surrender to God. Listen to what I've learned. Obedience is the door to elevation with God. Obedience. How do you know? Well, it says that Jonah was thrown out of the boat. It says that Jonah, Jonah was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but it says the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And it wasn't until he obeyed the voice that his life began to start multiplying fruit. Entire city was changed because he obeyed the voice. I believe the Ocean's Church will be responsible for Fortune 500 companies, law offices, educational institutions, entrepreneurs, headquarters, large companies, uh, churches, all these things. It's something that we're going to do in this region and beyond because we're going to say, God, whatever idea, Holy Spirit, you give me, you're the boss and I'll obey you. Those are the people that walk in miracles. But have you noticed this? Have you noticed that throughout the Bible there was a ton of miracles, but none of them happened the same way? Is there anybody else that's been honest enough to read the Bible and go, that was weird? Who's ever come on? Any honest people? That was weird. God's like, yeah, Moses, I want you to, uh, I want you to get the people out of Egypt. Okay, what are we going to do? What's in your hand? Okay, throw it on the ground. It's going to turn into a snake. Is there anything worse than a snake? Oh, and by the way, put your hand in your uh, blazer. It's going to get leprous. That's exciting. That's a cool little party trick. Yeah, and then you're going to get your back against the wall to the Red Sea. You're just going to lift your rod, and I'm going to open the ocean up. That's random. Oh, and then you're going you're to go through the, the desert for 40 years, and it's going to be uh, awesome. And you're going to strike the rock when the people are thirsty, and water is going to come out of a rock. Isn't there a stream, a river around here somewhere? Why are we uh, using rocks for water sources? Yeah, no, that's going to be great. And uh, when they get hungry, there's going to be manna that comes from heaven. There's not any animals around here? Oh, you want quail? I'll send some quail. And then Joshua comes on the scene. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we, you need victory. I'm going to make the sun stand still. Why don't you send some angels or something? Why are we stopping time? And then you look at Gideon. And Gideon's got 300 guys against an innumerable army. And he's like, yeah, you want victory? Get a pitcher in your hands, a trumpet in the other hands. And then when I tell you to, shout the sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord. And you're going to have victory. That sounds like the stupidest military strategy. Hey, Joshua, you want to take down Jericho? Walk around it. 
You know, like soccer moms, just kind of like a little walk. Yeah, a little walk around. Keep it quiet. Don't talk yourself out of the power of God. Shut up when you walk around it because you'll probably get negative and talk yourself out of victory. So stay quiet when you walk around it seven days. On the seventh day, do it seven times and shout. That is a terrible military tactic, but it worked. Hey, uh, King Jehoshaphat, you're going to war? Send out the choir. Okay, um, we got Navy SEALs. We got, uh, we got some Coast Guard. We have some, we have some uh, Air Force. We have Marines. Hurrah. You want the church choir? Yeah, just send the choir out first. That is the stupidest. Okay, but they didn't say that. They're like, that's weird. Okay, we'll do it, Lord. So you said, and throughout Scripture, over and over, Samson's tying up foxtails. He's, he's killing people with a donkey's jaw. Weird stuff. And then you get into the New Testament, and all these men that are blind get healed by Jesus. One, he says, be healed, and they're healed. One, he makes mud, rubs it in his eyeball. Be healed. He's healed. Another guy, he's like, oh, you want to see? Hoxaloogie. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, that would be a lawsuit today. But he gets healed. Why does God repetitively, it's like he wants to keep us guessing on how miracles, signs, and wonders are going to occur. Why does he do that? Why are these lame guys all getting healed differently? Why don't they all get healed the same way? Because God never wants our faith to be in a method. He never wants our trust to be in a system of pushing that button and this button and that button. And if I pray this, I'll get that. He always wants you to know that victory is rooted in obeying his voice throughout scripture. It doesn't matter how weird, how strange, how, uh, how, how crazy, how ridiculous. The more we obey his voice, the more we experience victory. Peter's like, the IRS called Jesus, we gotta pay taxes. He's like, uh, go fishing. The first fish you catch is gonna have money in its mouth. Peter's like, that's the stupidest way to provide. We should do an offering right now. We should do like a campaign. We should send out some postcards. We could raise money for this, Jesus. And he goes, no, 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 go fishing. First fish you catch, get it out of the water, cut it open, there will be gold inside of it. Um, listen, Someone say with me, that's weird. That is an unconventional way. Why does God ask us, Peter, I want you to look at him and say, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And then in another passage, it's totally different. Why is there differences in the way that God heals? It's because he never wants our faith to be in a method. We're not Methodists. Can I get an amen? We're not against them, though. Listen to me. We don't, we don't copy methods. We're actually into this thing called God. Jesus said the son can only do what he sees the father doing. That's all he can do. And if he sees the father hawking a loogie in someone's eye, guess who's getting spit on? And if he sees the father making mud out of the, out of the dirt, guess who's going to make some mud? And if he sees the father say, go your way, your faith has made you well. What I see him doing is what I'm going to do. Goes back to these three things. What are we going to do? We're going to walk with an openness to the spirit of God. We're going to remind ourselves we fear God, he's the boss. And guess what? When he speaks, we obey. And it doesn't matter how crazy it is, how unorthodox it is, he's the boss. And obedience to his voice leads to victory. Obedience to his voice leads to victory. What is the big deal? That if I will do what he wants me to do and say what he wants me to say, that signs and wonders will follow. And he gets the glory. This is the big deal. And I'm tired of so many Christians living below the water table of what Jesus died to give. We are a church that believes that signs, wonders, and miracles are for today. Can I just remind you that signs are not the goal. We don't, we don't worship miracles. We worship the miracle worker. We don't build Ocean's Church on miracles. We build Ocean's Church on the miracle worker. Signs, listen to me, signs are not the destination. Signs are, are, are confirmations that we're going the right. You ever been lost on the freeway and you're like, I don't know if we're in the right place. You're heading to Disney World, you're in the middle of Orlando, it all looks the same. And you're driving and you're like, I think we're lost. You feel like pulling over, but all of a sudden you see a sign and you see Mickey and it says 20 more miles and we'll steal your money. 
right? What does that do? That sign, what does it do? It confirms you're on the right. You know why many Christians wonder if Jesus is real? Because they don't have signs that are confirming that what they're living and saying is real. Signs remind the people of God. So what's your conviction? My conviction is this. If we believe that Jesus is a miracle working God, we have to pray for miracles. If we believe that Jesus will heal the sick, we must pray for the sick. If we believe that Jesus saves, we have to pray that people would get saved. To believe it and not practice it is to live without the full deal. And I want every taco and every hamburger and french fries accounted for. I want the full deal. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody else that wants the full deal? All right. So I want to pray for you right now. God told me that many notable miracles would happen here today. We pray there's at least seven people that waved their hands. They got healed for service. Yeah, at least seven. I want you to stand your feet. And here's what I want to do as we get ready to close. If you're here today, what is the big deal, okay? Jesus came to the world, and when he came, he brought a new kingdom that's going to invade the earth. Our eschatology is not that God's going to get us off this rock. The Bible says that he's going to return. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We're going to meet him in the sky, and God is going to do something new. New heavens and new earth. He's going to redo things. He's going to you ever, you ever been to the hospital when someone's sick and you go, oh my gosh, that looks like, that doesn't look like who he really is. He's like a shadow of what he used to be. Right now, you and I at our best state are a shadow of what we will be in heaven. We're going to be stronger, smarter. We're going to be with Jesus and God is going to redo heavens and earth and we will rule and reign with him forever. And guess what? You and I have a job to do in the meantime is that what does Orange County look like when Jesus is in charge of it? That's our job to carry out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, while I'm sucking oxygen, I open my heart up to the Holy Spirit. I surrender to your Lordship. I fear you. And I give you permission today to speak, because when you speak, I will obey your voice. If you can get with that today, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, if you would say, God, I'm here. I open up my heart to you. Some of you are like, Mark, I love Jesus. I love the Bible. But I've always been intimidated by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And today, I just like the Lord wants you to open up your heart today. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart today. Say, Mark, I've always kind of been a little bit intimidated. Churches start talking about Pentecost or Acts 2 or some of that stuff. And it just scares me. I had a bad experience. I've met some crazy people. And it turned me off. And today, the Lord wants to restore hope that you can live open and full of the Holy Spirit. How many feel like that's you today? I want to live open and full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you had a bad experience. Come on, just, just wave your hands. I'm open up today. I'm opening back up today. I see those hands waving. I'm opening back up today. Just wave your hands. Lord, I just thank you that you're opening up. You're opening people back up. You don't have to open up big. Just give them a little bit of space. Secondly, you go, Mark, I'm opening up to the Holy Spirit. And I want to commit today to not just be a believer in Jesus, but to be, Lord, someone that is fully surrendered that he is the boss. He is the king. I work for him. He doesn't work for me. And today you want to reinstate that God, I don't want to just I don't want to just believe in you. I want to I want to live for you. That's the phrase. I don't want to just believe in you. I want to live for you. What does Mark Francis' life look like when Jesus is running it? That's what I want to do today. I want to live for the boss, Jesus Christ. If that's you today, you want to rededicate your life or you've never had faith in God and you say, Mark, I'm not living for Jesus, but I want to. There was at least eight or nine people first service. There's more in this service. Would you say, Mark, I want to give my faith to God. I want to believe and I want to give God my heart. All over the tents, eyes closed, heads bowed. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray a prayer that rededicates, resurrenders, or for the first time gives God your heart all over the tents right now on the count of three would you lift your hands i want to give my life i want to make jesus my god one all over the room two your heart speeding up god brought you here for this moment real high don't be shy hands go all over three that's me that's me i want to do more than believe i want to surrender i want to give i see four five six seven a huge section right there eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen i love it sixteen 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 hands 17 hands. I love it. 18 hands. 
So good. Hands on your heart. Oceans, do we ever get tired of this here? We don't ever get tired of this. Everyone in this room that didn't raise their hand probably already has made this decision. The Bible says that you would confess and believe this is the origins of Christianity. Confess in your mouth, believe in your heart, <laughs> believe in your heart, <laughs> believe in your heart. This is where the origins of, of Jesus following starts. Oceans, pray this prayer today. Say, Lord Jesus, I go beyond belief to offering you my heart, my mind, my very life. I surrender to who you are, God. I'm here for you, and I ask you to be here for me. I love you because you love me first. Lead me, guide me, direct me, and heal me today in Jesus' name. All those who raised their hands, come on, pray. Just give me a hand clap real quick. All those who got, got right with God this morning. There's a lot of people today. I, uh, I want to do this. I really, I, you know, I'm going to get us out of here. We're still doing good on time. If you're here today, though, the last five minutes we're together, I really believe that God will heal if we'll step out of belief. I told one of my friends this week, by the way, I don't think you have to be a healing evangelist to see healings. Just like you don't have to be a prophet to hear God's word, hear his voice and to prophesy. Just like you don't have to be an evangelist to lead someone to the Lord. I believe there is five-fold gifts that they, they do that full-time, but I believe every Christian is supposed to operate in those five spaces. You don't have to be a teacher to teach. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy, an evangelist to evangelize, a pastor to pastor. You don't have to be uh, an apostle to, to be apostolic, to build people up. So today, if you're here and you go, Mark, you know what I want to do? I want to see people get healed. Some of you have been, really been burning inside going, God, I've heard of your miracles. I want to see them. My grandpa, my grandma talked about it. My grandpa talked about it. I want to see it. If that's you today, you go, Mark, I want to see miracles. I want to pray for the sick, and I want to see them recover. If that's for today, I'm asking for more. Would you just lift your hands all over? I, I believe this is going to be a miracle church. We've had so many people pray over us saying, one of our jobs as a church was to restore faith that God can still do miracles in California. It's one of our mandates. And I see a church full of people that are hungry for it. So I pray from the very back. I pray for my friend Garrett in that back corner, all the way over this back corner over here. God, I see Lord Brandon and, and Michaela over here. I pray in Jesus' name, from that corner to this corner and everyone in between, that God's signs, wonders, and miracles would follow as we're walking with the Holy Spirit, as we're respecting and revering God in our life, and as we're obeying your voice. Come on, put your hand on your heart right now and say, Holy Spirit, I open myself up all the way to you and what you want to do in my life. Come on and say this, and today I ask you to be my leader my provider, my teacher, and my comforter. Lead me in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And finally, uh, last thing we want to do is just come on, pray this over your life. Say, Lord, today I want to obey you in the small and in the big. You speak it, help me to do it in Jesus' name. Now watch this. Here's your first test. God's like, there's someone you need to forgive that you've been thoroughly upset with. And God says today, if I can forgive you, I'm asking you to forgive them. Will you right now start the journey of obedience by going, okay, God, I forgive them. I let the debt go. Someone in here, uh, it's even a family member that hurt you really bad and you're holding on to, I just feel like the first step of obedience is forgiveness oftentimes. And if you'll, God, if you'll forgive people the pain they caused you, God will remove the, the hurt that they, they, they did to you God will heal you if you forgive them. So I pray right now. Yeah, yeah, watch. Yeah, watch. And here's what I want to do today. Many of you, you're believing that God can heal you today. If you need healing physically, mentally, or spiritually, there's people here today that you have cancer, you have a, a autoimmune disease, you can't get pregnant, someone has like a urinary tract infection that keeps coming back, there's someone in here you have some sort of arthritis, some weird part of your neck, and it, you're too young to have it. And God right now, He's coming, He's speaking, He's moving, He's healing. And right now I see God's healing someone's throat right now. He's cleaning someone's throat out. 
I see, I see like masses and tumors and, and internal, uh, internal disease in your throat. God's washing your throat out right now. You don't, you don't even believe in God yet. It's crazy. It's crazy. But here's what we're going to do right now. If you need healing in your body, you're addicted to drugs, you're addicted to pornography, you're addicted to darkness, you're being vexed in your mind, you're having night tears and nightmares, panic attacks, and you say, God, I believe you can heal me. It doesn't make you weird. It makes you honest. If you believe God can heal you today and you want to invite him to heal, I want you to lift your hands real high all over. I believe God can heal me my cancer, my disorder, my anxiety, whatever it is, God can heal me. Hands up real high, real high. We're an honest church. We're an honest church. I, I want everyone right now that you can reach one of these hands up around you. Put your hand on their shoulder. Come on, Pedro. Put your hand on their shoulder right there. Yeah, all over there, all over the tents. Yeah, Mike, put your hand on them right now. Come on. Pray for Malachi right now. Lay hands on them. We're not praying in our strength, in our name. We're praying in his strength and in his name. So right now with your hands on them, just say right now in Jesus' name. Come on, say this. In Jesus' name, be healed. Top of your head, bottom of your feet. Inside, out. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, heal. Kick out darkness. Kick out disease. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Evil, darkness, demons, leave now quickly and quietly in Jesus name we release healing power virtue in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ heal him heal him Jesus name just ask him right now do you feel anything you feel try just test it out test whatever you couldn't do before just test it out I couldn't move my arm open all the way I couldn't lift my shoulder all the way up just test it out test it out test it out and if you're healed, give me a wave. If you notice you're already healed, give me a wave. If God just healed you, give me a wave. I see a wave right there, a wave back there. Yeah, awesome, Alex. Come on. Uh, right there, right there. Okay. If you didn't, right here, awesome. Yeah. Okay, don't, don't, you have to lie. If it didn't happen, if it didn't happen yet, if it didn't happen yet, raise your hand. I didn't feel anything yet. Put your hand up. You didn't feel anything? About half and half, right? If your hand's up, you didn't get healed, we're going to pray for you one more time. Is that all right? We got time. Put your hand back up. You didn't get healed yet. Put your hand back up. We're going to pray a second time. Naaman had to dip seven times before he got cleansed. If someone's hands up, go on, just, just circle around it real fast. We're not weird. The Bible says we lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I pray for Samantha. I pray, Lord. I pray for every man. Aaron, I pray for these guys that have their hands up right now. For Roger, for Stephen, for Sonia, for Sylvia. I pray all over these tents from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Come on, say it in Jesus' name. Be healed. In the Lord Jesus Christ, in his name, be healed. So I pray right now, inside out, top to bottom, front to back, heal, heal, heal. Holy Spirit, heal them in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yeah. Now watch this. Sometimes the Bible says they were healed immediately, and others were healed as they went their way in faith. So we're going to sing this song one time, and whether you feel it or not, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to close your eyes. The last two minutes we have together, we're going to sing this song, and we're going to celebrate that God is the God that still heals, still saves, still delivers, and still does the impossible. Let's sing it one time. Before we sing. Before my eyes have seen it, my heart will still believe you've overthrown the heaviness. My life is marked by joy. Before my hands have held it, my lips will still declare you faithful to your promises. My life is marked by joy. Come the joy, it comes in the morning, where opens 
Lord. We welcome the joy. We welcome the joy that lifts off the burden for all those who mourn. We welcome the joy. We welcome the joy that comes in the morning. transition stuff to Katie in, in just, just a second here, but I feel like there's one more thing God asked me to do. He said there was uh, there's two people in here. One um, one is you've been suicidal. You've actually you've actually been thinking about even the, the end of your life, and uh, you're really, really close to making a bad decision. And I just heard the Lord say that today God brought you here, allowed you to be here, because you're not going to take your life. You're not going to die. God has a plan for you, a future for you. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's glorious. And I just ask you today, just eyes closed, heads bowed. Do me favors all over the tents. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you come talk to me afterwards, but just put your hand on your heart, wherever you are. Come on. How about everybody put your hand on your heart? Just I don't want to single them out. Let's put your hand on your heart. I pray right now that you would show them, God, the intrinsic value that they have. I ask you today that, Lord, no one in this church would, would commit suicide. I pray that this would be a suicide-free church. I pray that people that were depressed, that were heavy, would come into these tents, would come into this property, and get liberated by the joy of Jesus Christ. I pray even this week, you can feel it right now, it's breaking off of you. Yeah, I take authority over that darkness, that dark cloud from your family. It's been a generational thing. You had an uncle or aunt that took their life. And I just declare in Jesus Christ's name, we break off that hex, that vex, that curse. We declare that you're going to live and not die to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pray right now. That's real. That's real. Close your eyes. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I know I can pray for you right now. I'm just going to leave this alone. But I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're here and you're going to live. I feel like you're supposed to rip up that letter you wrote, get rid of your exit strategy, and start planning how you're going to live your life and stop planning how you're going to end it. It's like the Lord said he wanted me to tell you that real quick. Last thing, last thing. Um, there was a couple people here today. You have needles, uh, you have pipes, you have uh, paraphernalia that you're tired of. I'm like, I'm tired of getting high. I know it's not good for me. This is a judgment-free church, so we love you no matter what. But I just saw there was literally people, you have like heroin needles, you have... You have uh, meth in your car, you have cocaine, 
you have marijuana. I know it's legal. I'm not going to get into that argument. There is things that you are, you know, aren't leading you to Jesus. And you know that if you would respond in this moment, God would set you free. I want to ask you, I want to ask if we could, uh, we do this if we close, just maybe grab a trash can. I just feel, I have faith today for this. Just put, we're going to put a trash can right over here. We're going to put a trash can. Can we get a trash can back by the camera in the middle over here? Is there one on the sides? We have trash cans. Look, can everyone look at me real fast? There's a few trash cans around here. This is what I'm asking today. I have faith. I've only had faith in this a couple times. I really believe that if you would be bold enough to throw it in the trash today, God would give you the grace to get out of that addiction. I believe God can do with counseling, therapy. I'm not against AA. I'm not against rehab. I just believe that God can also do stuff supernaturally. And so I dare you today, if you are tired of living addicted, today is the day you get sober. Today is the day you get free. So I just, I, I ask you, go to your car if you have to, if it's in your car. If you have to drive home and come back and throw it in the trash here, we have a dumpster right here. You throw it in there. I have faith. If it's here today, I want to just encourage you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You do it after the service in your own time. But I, I do feel like some of you have the courage to get out of your seats right now. Just throw it. There's a trash can right there. There's right there. But I dare you, if you're bold enough to throw it away, I believe that there will be, uh, 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 yeah, this is going to be getting out. I love it. Some people are getting out of their seats. If you're bold enough to throw it away, you watch how God liberates you today. So I just felt faith for the suicidal and for the addict. Today is a day of life, sobriety, and freedom. Do you believe that? Just put your hand on your heart, Lord. We just seal this time. I pray you give us courage to get free. Let us not, let us not keep justifying living a life of darkness. Let us fully yield ourselves to your marvelous life. We love you, Holy Spirit. We ask you for freedom, for liberty. I don't know why I feel this. I feel faith today. Some of you are in severe debt. And I just want you to write on a piece of paper, just write, write the debts that you have. And I want you just by faith to go, God, I believe you can take care of these debts. And I want you to throw it in the trash today. Someone in here, you have some sins you've never confessed to anybody. I want you to write it on a piece of paper as a sign that this is the beginning of me coming out of darkness and living in the light. Some of you, uh, it's even like you've been uh, really hesitant to the Holy Spirit. And I want you just to write and say, Lord, forgive me today for grieving you, Holy Spirit. And I want you to throw that in the trash. Whatever God puts on your heart to get free from or to step out of, I just want you to write it on a piece of paper. I have faith that today will be a new season, a new chapter of your life in Jesus' name. So you can greet people afterwards and just write it down. And on your way up, throw it in the trash. Is that all right? Anything you're addicted to. If it's, yeah, it's like pornography, if it's, if it's cutting, if it's anxiety, panic attacks, depression, I want you to write it down and go, God, as I throw it in the trash, I believe today you can heal me. And anybody in Orange County that believes God still heals, come on, give them one more hand clap and shout. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.